Welcome to the second episode on current issues impacting the healthcare industry. With us, we have Mark Pfefferle, partner at Carl Marx Advisors, and managing director, Jonathan Killian. Both serve as part of the leadership team in the healthcare group at Carl Marx Advisors. We invited Mark and Jonathan here today to speak specifically about some of the issues their firm has dealt with in the healthcare industry and how they helped companies manage through those issues. Mark, how are healthcare companies dealing with what seems like pretty foundational changes to the way they've been doing business? Bottom line, some well and not so well. There's no one, um, one size fits all solution um, to dealing with the reduced rate environment and outcome based uh, care models. Many companies have achieved varying results with a range of different approaches. Uh, I'll describe some of those. As is always the case, the best run companies try to stay ahead of the curve by anticipating change, challenging legacy business models, investing heavily in IT infrastructure, continually striving to be cost efficient, and working hard to effectively integrate bolt-on or service line expansion acquisitions. As discussed, um, Karl Marx is seeing healthcare companies implement growth strategies in order to increase scale and efficiency and also to gain more leverage over payers, customers, and suppliers, which brings both opportunity and risk in terms of high purchase multiples and high debt levels, requiring effective integration and realization of synergies. For providers, no longer is quality of care the sole differentiator. These are table stakes to compete. Patient experience is often now the differentiator, especially in retail-oriented businesses like uh, urgent care. Many industry competitors pursue the same fundamental strategies. The successful ones are better at execution. In the case of hospital systems, this includes building large feeder networks of primary care doctor practices, urgent care clinics, and outpatient treatment facilities and surgical centers to capture and keep patients and fill hospital beds. Also, you are seeing new organizations such as Amazon, CVS, and others um, see the disruption as a massive opportunity given the overall size of the healthcare market. Clearly, there'll be winners and losers. For example, some companies have been slow to react and limited in their approach. In helping these companies, in many respects, the approaches and solutions are no different than helping non-healthcare companies that encounter financial difficulty. Mainly, we structure around the most profitable segments and customers and maximize organizational and cost efficiency. These companies first need to gain a thorough understanding of how the changes in healthcare markets um, from reimbursement rate cuts to supply chain pressures affects them and what options exist to restructure operations, adjust service levels, or cut SG&A costs. Change is difficult and throughout this process it is critical to continually challenge the status quo. The still-evolving switch from fee-for-service to value-based reimbursement also may require companies to invest in data analytic tools and monitor quality improvements and have more robust population healthcare management techniques and upfront patient billing strategies. One final point is that healthcare providers need to ensure proper focus and procedures to ensure medical billing compliance. Implementation of the ACA brought a whole new level of focus to medical billing practices and compliance. Payers are now on the offensive against billing improprieties, overutilization, and potential fraud, and proper document documentation is critical to ensure payment 
uh, that payment for services are received on a timely basis. For example, it is difficult to get Medicare and Medicaid to pay deficient claims that are over 120 days or 90 days respectively old unless fault for the delay is shown on the part of the government. Further, we had a client where, um, that provides revenue cycle management services for providers where one of its key insurance companies knocked out uh, claims for a whole slew of, uh, of practices that were deemed to be overutilizing. In other words, the insurers now are tracking utilization of particular uh, groups of providers versus others and um, basically have kickouts when they see a utilization in certain areas much higher than the norm. This never occurred in the past and is one of the, uh, one of the items that can kind of come out of left field and, and hit people. In some ways, you can make the argument that the regulations are working as they intended. The healthcare industry is being forced to eliminate questionable practices and rationalize cost structure for players in the market. Jonathan, can you give me more specific examples of how you are helping companies deal with these? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't think anyone would argue that the trend towards healthcare being better, faster, cheaper is in everybody's best interest. But the uh, flip side of that is often uh, challenging situations for management teams and, uh, and difficult, um, difficult decisions to be made. So, and the process to healthcare becoming better, cheaper, and faster isn't linear or predictable. Uh, some of these factors that we talked about in episode one or part one, um, you know, can come, can, can be surprises, can, there's not always a lot of visibility to plan around them. So uh, management teams <clears throat> have to be very disciplined in understanding the profitability of their business uh, by service line, by uh, region, by subsector. Uh, there's, um, we, uh, we can find ourselves in situations where um, a, historically a company has relied on a particular service line or business and, and that the economics of that have changed over time. It could be slowly or it could be, or it could be maybe more precipitous. Uh, so management teams really need to be diligent and we, and we help management teams put the analytics together, dive into their business, go through the cost structures, go through the <clears throat> customer profitability and understand uh, really what is driving their financial performance. Uh, secondly, uh, management teams really need to be aggressive on the cost structure. Uh, with this revenue reimbursement we talked about, you know, uh, re reimbursement pressures, we talk about having to uh, put that pressure on their suppliers down, uh, downstream. That certainly is a very important part of uh, succeeding and, and adjusting to the current um, economics. Uh, but also, it's looking at your staffing models. It's looking at your service levels. It's looking at, you know, what are you doing? What, what effort is being expended? What are you being reimbursed for? What are the patients or, the, or your customer uh, expecting and both managing those expectations so you're not getting into a situation where you are over servicing or over promising uh, and then also being in a position where you can 
um, you can successfully compete and operate because at some point you get upside down on the on the costs that um, it, it, you're you're not long for the game uh, even if you think you're providing the highest level of service. So um, <clears throat> so you have to be very uh, you have to be very diligent on your on your performance and you have to be ruthless on your on your cost expense on your expense structure. Uh, we've helped clients. You know, one example um, that comes to mind is we helped a, a client who um, had a dominant position in a state. The reimbursement model within that state changed fairly dramatically and the decision was made to exit the state and we worked with them uh, through that analytics, through that decision, worked with the board, worked with the management team <clears throat> and and actually were boots on the ground in the implementation of that and uh, certainly helped the company's overall profitability but it, you know it's a seismic shift to the way that the company was doing business and, and, and is doing business going forward. We also helped uh, a company uh, divest a non-core asset, an asset that was free cash flowing healthy, was um, was in demand by strategic and financial buyers. Uh, we were able to monetize that asset, help them delever the balance sheet, and and use that capital to um, restructure and reinvest in in their core business uh, for for long-term stability. Uh, we also worked with a specialty pharmaceutical uh, distributor that experienced uh, material reductions in both volume um, and also pricing. And uh, that specific industry is, is notorious for the severe price compression that uh, put pressure on margins. Um, <clears throat> so the company, and we, and we were actually a senior leadership there, had to be laser focused on the efficiency to, uh, to offset and preserve the, the margins. <clears throat> as well to uh, strategically retain and gain market share uh, where possible. And, um, and the company was able to outperform its much larger competitors on key performance metrics. Um, and we worked, obviously, to, uh, to promote our successes and the company's uh, abilities to, to exceed performance expectations. And uh, <clears throat> we're able to sell the company to a strategic buyer as part of a vertic uh, vertical integration play. Uh, so there's a lot of ways management teams, and we work with management teams and companies to deal with these issues. But in, in summary, it's, it's clear understanding of profitability, ruthless management of expenses, and, and figuring out what strategic option ultimately uh, provides the best long-term outcome for the company. Regarding regulatory issues, Mark, what type of trends are you seeing? Well, I think um, what we're seeing is an increased uh, incidence and risk of state and federal audits, inspections, and investigations, uh, which could include CMS, the FDA, state boards of pharmacy, other regulators. Um, and the cost of deficiency and related corrective actions um, are, are significant um, and put uh, uh, collections and even operations at risk. Plus just the, uh, to pointing out on an inspection for a, for a facility such as a pharmacy, every audit's gonna come up with um, uh, items to be dealt with, however small, which, which are cost. So at a minimum, um, it's just the cost of doing business, but um, 
um, these guys are looking for, for things to, um, to find wrong, and some of them can be significant. In addition, um, the OIG and DOJ, um, uh, Inspector General's Office and, and Department of Justice have been very aggressive in their investigations of whistleblower complaints, which can lead to years of defense costs uh, and, and, and millions of dollars, um, even if you're found uh, not to be uh, a violator. And, and as well, it's a significant distraction for members of the management team. Um, marketing activities that are customary in most other industries can have devastating consequences for healthcare companies, such as prohibitions uh, on self-referrals um, and, and uh, certain marketing activities. For example, one relatively small client of ours incurred a $13 million uh, DOJ settlement for marketing practices that would be routine in other industries entertainment and, and other. Um, so PE firms that are engaged in roll-up strategies uh, may acquire an entity and actually be unaware of certain practices um, that as part of a larger, larger organization could lead to significant uh, risk exposure. Um, and again, even, even for the innocent investigations can be costly and disruptive. So, you know, providers and investors alike have to be very diligent and have extremely strong compliance departments and culture uh, and oversight to mitigate the risks of audits, investigations, and any negative outcomes. Um, but the, the bar's been raised on, on the level of uh, performance that has to be uh, adhered to. Are there any specific sectors being hit hardest by these trends and changes? I'll go through a few. Um, this is by no means an exhaustive list of healthcare segments under pressure, and in many cases, it's very specific to uh, company-specific or, um, or, or a market-related factor. But the poster child, which we're all aware of for healthcare stress, are skilled nursing facilities, commonly referred to as SNFs, many of which have OPCO-PROPCO structures, where among a host of issues, rent levels are often no longer supportable due to declines in, in operating economics. Um, large SNF groups such as Genesis, Manor Care, Oriana, Sava, as well as many small operations uh, gr and groups have been affected. Um, factors impacting facility performance include a shift in pa patient mix towards higher acuity and lower reimbursed Medicaid patients as healthier patients are increasingly treated elsewhere, such as home, just a trend. Um, so in fact, while um, aging's going on, occupancy levels have been relatively flat. And I think it's been well documented that in, in many states, Medicaid rates do not even cover the cost of care. So if you have a high Medicaid role, and we've had clients with Medicaid um, payer mix that's in the 80% um, range, it's pretty hard to, to make money. Um, so I, I think in, in, in solving these issues and in dealing with, say, landlords, a landlord is going to expect that a company's done everything possible to improve and to, and to have effective operations. And in many cases, 
they have the power to force changes on operators. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the REITs and, and real estate investors also have to take hits in these deals. But success requires high level of operational efficiency, strong focus on tracking, billing, and collecting all procedures performed, tough vendor negotiations, such as services of pharmacy, food, clinical, um, staffing, and supplies, uh, and of course, restructuring of lease payments. So um, they'll continue to be, and there has been uh, lots of uh, stress in, in the SNF space. Community hospitals are, are also, a, uh, in a way, an endangered species. In many markets, community hospitals will not be able to continue to remain viable in their current form, other than as affiliates of larger health systems, um, providing basic levels of, uh, of service versus any meaningful level of specialized care. Um, then we get into um, um, some of the areas we, we referred to earlier, group purchasing uh, organizations, which there are, are, are major organizations. The major health systems are becoming their own GPOs. And many that we've talked to uh, feel that the GPO's future is, uh, is, is, is going to diminish um, in their relevance because they, they've become big enough where they will, will, they will serve that function themselves. Um, another example of generally small businesses are electronic healthcare transcription companies where there's literally over 100 providers of these services in a sector that is and will continue to consolidate. In our view, down to at most a dozen providers over the next five to 10 years. Some of these will be acquisitions and some of them will be um, you know, companies going out of business. Uh, we were asked to uh, serve as a, <laughs> as a board member for a lender of one such company that's going to be put out of business. Um, an example of, uh, of a survivor might be in Allscripts in the East, which has the scale and the technology base to survive, whereas some of the smaller competitors may not. Urgent care, while a booming uh, retail-oriented business, um, the number of clinics um, in some markets has become oversaturated, and competition has arisen from the, the large healthcare systems. An example would be um, Banner Care in, let's say, the Phoenix market, where they made an acquisition of 32 uh, urgent care clinics. They've increased that number greatly, and um, the market already has many private equity um, urgent care clinics. And being a retail business, as a consumer, you're going to go to the newer facility with the best facilities and the most uh, broad range of services. So um, a, a legacy player that's been there a while that has not invested as much um, in their facilities and, and, and services will, will be at risk. So we can see urgent care from a private equity perspective in certain markets being under pressure. Um, then you have uh, high technology businesses where um, obsolescence is a risk and cost of replacement training and uh, competition is high. Radiology is one example where um, existing business models can be, uh, can be put under pressure without, um, without the investment that 
is necessary to keep those uh, uh, up to speed. And then home health care. Uh, again, a great um, potential business for many investors, huge demand for services. However, increasing minimum wage is putting, has and will continue to put pressure on the economics of some of these companies, which is an inherently low margin business. So some of these businesses will, will inevitably run into some financial difficulty, uh, especially the, uh, the roll-ups that are highly leveraged. So you'll have winners and losers in many segments. Certainly not gloom and doom. Many subsectors are very well positioned, uh, such as surgical centers, um, where outpatient surgery is the most cost-effective way to deliver services. And if you have a, uh, a, a very uh, high visibility core group of doctors with, with skills, you're gonna find uh, great um, returns um, in, in those businesses. So. There's no, there's no one cookie cutter here. There will continue to be pressure. Uh, we talked about the high leverage of, uh, and high purchase multiples going on in the business. So you're gonna see winners and you're gonna see losers in many segments. Thanks for your time, Mark and Jonathan. Um, it sounds like there will be plenty of future healthcare opportunities for turnaround practitioners in the healthcare space. This was very informative conversation and included a wealth of information in a rather short period of time. Thank you.